Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, March 14th, 2023. Today on the Ether, roving with Rihanna, the craft of writing. Today, focused on irony. Let's take a listen. Hello, hello, everyone. Technical difficulties happened today. I apologize for disappearing. Hello, hello. Well, let's see. Hi, Finn. Hi, Odd Writings. I will send out a note here. See if you want to jump up on stage with me. All right. Hello, hello. My goodness. I had to restart the space, which seems to happen kind of often. So maybe I don't know what's going on. I'll send another invite to speak out to Odd Writings here. Hello, hello. It's Riona. Hi. <laughs> it's me. It's you. We're together. Yay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the deal was with the space today. I'm like sending all these tweets and I'm talking away and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to send the tweet. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm actually going. It said it was recording. So Finn, the other one, we don't even have to include whatever that one is. I don't even know what it is, but um, this, this one will be the real deal. So odd writings, give me an update. How are things going in your world? So many exciting things today. Yeah. Lots of, lots of stuff going on. Uh, well, first off, uh, I'm able to actually make this space today because you remember how every other week I have that constrained writing. Okay. Well, I still have that except it's based in England and they, and so the daylight savings thing yeah. it's like now now for me it's an hour from now and not now oh. so i get to be here live watching Ro roving with rihanna and nice. uh, yeah and, uh, and and the other the only other thing is what i i, I added to the uh, the conversation was just a link to the to what we were talking about in the previous space about the uh, the sampler the dark block sampler i don't That's i don't remember yeah, did you have did you have a uh, a sample in that? I, I don't I don't remember anymore who was on and who wasn't. Uh yes, I do. I do have that. Okay, cool. Yeah, okay. yeah. My my midnight writer poem is in there. Um I wanted to do one of my um seven love stories pieces, but I didn't know how to do that quick enough. And so I'm just like, I'll I'll just pick a poem that I know works correctly and works right and is all the things that it is and so yeah i just felt like that that was going to be the best the best but yes i am in there it's amazing have you minted one yet yeah i did uh well just yesterday i i had seen it up there and i thought the uh i thought the 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 site was kind of secret because no one had no one had linked to it you know and i thought mm -hmm. well maybe maybe it's sort of still in uh still in production or whatever but I, then i got a, a an email uh, from Wit at uh, Dark Block uh, earlier today, 
saying, oh. hey, you know, we're, we're live. Feel free to go ahead and you know, share this or whatever. So, and, and so, yeah, so then I, I went there. So I went there yesterday um, and I noticed that there had been 11, 11 mints. And when I was there maybe a week earlier, it was also 11 mints. And so that told me, well, it's still kind of in secret mode or whatever. But, but he said, in the, yeah, he said in the previous phase that it's up to 30 now. So they had a good, you know, 20 just right off the bat. So, uh, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, it is good. It is good. This is so exciting. Um, I'm, I thought, oh, I'm going to open my email and see what that is because I, I try. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm running like three lives at once here. I'm, I'm, you know, the author of seven love stories and we're, that thing is just going like mad and it's so amazing. And, um, since it's you and me on the space here, and I know someone will listen in the future, but everybody please know the odd writings and I have, we're great friends and we've been working in the writing space together for a very long time. And he is so supportive and so kind and everybody, I just really want to give everybody an opportunity. And I think even Finn here, who's recording the space with us today, I think even he has a, a copy of one of the seven loves, not a copy, but he has a minted NFT of the seven love stories. And so odd writings, if you want to drop by um, and just look at them, pick one out. Cause I would really like for you to be part of the seven love stories family. Um, and it's it's something that's expensive, you know, right now with the way everything is. Um, but I still really want you to be part of it. I still want you to be part of the voice. And so I would love to to send one to you as a gift to say thank you so much for supporting me. And and yeah, just pick out pick out the one that you would like. There's seven to choose from. So you can just go in and and um, we set it up through a a link tree. And then you just, just can go through and just look at all of them and pick out one that you that you would love to have. And I would I would be honored to to send that to you. So I would be I've so got one, I've got one already, Rihanna. You do. <laughs> yeah, I've got, yes, I have because the, you were in with Paige Dow. You were in with Paige Dow. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I have the I have the brave heart. My oh, heart is yes. Isn't that one so amazing? Isn't that one so amazing? Yeah, I still I still need to uh, I I've, I've just skimmed it. I need to take a, a closer look because all the stuff that's going on. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'll give it a thorough read here pretty soon. Well, and it really is just something you can listen to. You just press play and turn on the speaker and just listen. It's lovely. I I hope it's lovely. It's meant to be lovely. <laughs> so yeah, no, no, I do remember. I do remember. But there's so many people already. See how crazy it is. There's so many people already who have one, and I'm just like, whoa, you know. So it's great. It's so great. So great. So great. Um. So we should get on with the show, everybody. The Roving with Rihanna show. Irony. The reason we're all here today. Um, so first off, there is a roving with Brianna question. Um, the a soulbound NFT that's already made and created and out there. Um, and I spent a lot of time yesterday putting it together, trying. I really wanted to pick a picture, and I use Night Cafe AI art to create these things. And I really wanted something that showed a contrast. Because irony is something where we're thinking something's going to happen, but something else happens altogether. And so let me let me jump in and give my intro and then we can talk about irony and and um, 
I'm so glad that you're here, um, Odd Writings, because your stuff has a lot of irony. And so I'm, I'm so excited. So everybody, hello, hello. Welcome to Roving with Rihanna, The Craft of Writing. I am so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here listening now or if you're listening in the future. I can't wait to talk about writing with you. First off, I thought I'd give a little bit of a background to who I am. I began my professional career as a writer and a teacher. For many years, I taught English and writing. At one point, I was a professor who taught English teachers how to be English teachers. Um, my goal by presenting uh, the Roving with Rihanna show, The Craft of Writing, is to discuss writing techniques and strategies that all of us writers use. And so uh, a book making the rounds this week in Twitter is On Writing by Stephen King. And if you haven't picked up that book yet as a writer, as a creator, you definitely should. It's a book that I read every year. Um, I have about five that I read every year, and that is one that I that I really read every year. And I always learn so many new things with it. It's like I've picked it up for the first time. It's like, oh, it's telling me something that I that I'm needing to hear right now. And so I just love, I love writing that does that for us. Anyway, and so I just really and so that's a that's a technique, that's a strategy, that's something that I wanted to share. And um I know the odd writings will jump in and we've got a new listener in the audience here pretty quick. I'll send around a round of invitations out and to see if anybody else wants to jump up on stage with us. So I am always learning new techniques and strategies as I study my craft. And I always want to share that with people out and about. And so I'm so excited always to see where your studies have taken you and what you know and what approaches you know. In no way is this a situation where I'm the teacher and you're the student. No, no, we're doing this together. I'm the speaker and so I prepare lots of stuff. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I'm a master at this. This means that we are learning together and experiencing this together. And so um, I just want to share everything that I have learned so that I can then hear what you have learned and we can grow and build together. So today's topic is one that is near and dear to my heart. I love irony. I'm a big fan of irony. I use irony all the time when I'm writing. And I was working on a short story just yesterday and the irony of it was really lovely. And so irony is a literary device that is used to create a contrast between what is expected and what actually happens. So the reader themselves or the characters in the play or the book or whatever, they expect something to happen, but something else happens altogether. And so it's a tool that's used by writers to add depth and complexity to their writing, as well as to engage the readers and make them think. Sometimes it can be a heavy think, and sometimes it can be like, oh, I see what you did there. And I love both of those equally. Um, there are generally three types of irony. There's verbal irony, dramatic irony, and situational irony. So verbal irony is irony when a character says something but means the opposite. Uh, so this would be like goes outside, a character steps outside, and it's drenching, pouring rain, and the person says, what a beautiful day. <laughs> and so that's, you know, verbal irony in its uh, most surface level. Then there is dramatic irony. This is when the audience 
So generally, it's when you're watching a show or a play, a musical, or something where the audience members know something or the reader knows something that the characters do not. Um, and so this can create tension and suspense in a story where somebody knows something, but the people going through it, they don't know. And so this is a very classic one. Um, for instance, William Shakespeare's uh, play, Romeo and Juliet, the audience knows that Juliet is not dead, but that is not what Romeo knows. Romeo does not, Romeo does not know that. Um, this, this creates a sense of dramatic irony. And if it is used in a tragic sense, like uh, Romeo and Juliet is a tragedy, then it's called tragic irony. Just a little tidbit there thrown in. Um, and then there's situational irony. Situational irony is the opposite, um, is where is when the opposite of what is expected happens, just like everything else, but it really is a type of um, irony where, and this is kind of a creepy example, but um, the uh, a firefighter's house burns down. So situationally, that's terrible, right? But that's also ironic, like that a firefighter's house burns down, that uh, a brain surgeon dies of a brain injury, um, you know, those kinds of things that I pulled the brain surgeon dies of uh, a brain injury from Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> so if we want to talk about current, uh, current things. Um, and anyway, and so then um, irony in literature overall, um, like I said, it can add depth and complexity to a story. And I wanted to pull out one of my favorite, favorite uses of irony. And it's by a short story guy. His name is O. Henry. And he wrote a short story called The Gift of the Magi. And it really, to sum it up, it's really about a poor couple who love each other so very much. but they, And they each sell their most prized possession to buy a Christmas gift for the other. Uh, the twist of it is that the husband sells his watch to buy his wife a set of combs for her hair. And she's got beautiful long hair. The wife sells her hair to buy her husband a chain for his watch. And so neither have the thing that is needed to complete the gift. And the irony of that, um, it's, a, it's a sacrifice and, it, and it's impactful. And um, the gifts are useless without the possessions that were sold to purchase them. But it's, it's beautiful. It's just, it's a beautiful, a beautiful use of irony that I really has struck me. And I think I read that in middle school and it's just been really something that, that touches me. And so that's the, that's the, the step through of all these different ironies. And so I want to open up the floor so we can talk about, um, some people's thoughts here. And so, yes, odd writings, please jump in. That's, uh, that's really interesting about it. I, I didn't realize that. Oh, Henry that that uh that that kind of irony was was from that from that story i had, i'm familiar with that irony from a saturday night live skit <laughs> from way back in the, <laughs> in the, in the 80s uh you know long before you know trump was ever president they had a saturday night live skit that where the where one of the actors was impersonating trump and he was you know 
and it was Christmas time and, and he and Ivana were there and he was, he's like, oh, Ivana, I bought this golden door for you. And, and Ivana was like, oh, no, but I but I sold the thing in order to pay for this. You know, and, I, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but but basically it's a, it's pretty much what O. Henry did right there. It's like what, you know, it, it made them and, uh, you know, each each present became redundant. But then at the same time, they're like, oh, well, I love you anyways. And they hug and everything. So, oh, so that's, that's, that's interesting. And I, I, you know, I've heard of O. Henry. I, I'm not really familiar with a lot of his stories. And so uh, that, that's very interesting to, to know that that's, that, that, that's sort of a, I, I'm sure many people have done it, but, but uh, that, that one sticks out to me. So that's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's clever. I did not, I, I, I am a, I'm a eighties, eighties Saturday night live watcher myself. And I don't, I don't recall that skit, but I can believe it. Definitely. I can believe that that would be something that they would do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jan, Jan hooks was, uh, was Ivana and, uh, the guy playing Trump was, um, uh, the guy that did almost everything. He was, he was, uh, one of those lead guys. He, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, of course. But um, oh, Carvey Carver. No, 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 not him. Uh, <laughs> um, hmm. Let me think. I don't know because I like no Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd and you know those guys, but I don't know if they necessarily did Trump. I don't remember. Yeah, that was a little. That was a little bit earlier. Uh, yeah. But you know, yeah. when you were talking about irony, there was another question I had was that. Uh, I I wonder there there must be a term for a word like this because it seems like it seems somewhat ironic but in a, in a different way uh, okay. the word the word dust you know i've, I've used this in a, in a poem before and dust to me is inherently ironic because you could it can mean either to wipe a surface clean you know like you're dusting something sure. or or to sprinkle dust on top of something like you're dusting uh you know a donut or something with sugar right and so those are opposite meanings, and yet it's the same word. It's the same verb. So I don't know if there's a word for that. Uh, it, it reminds me of irony, but uh, I don't know if it's exactly that's what it is. Right, 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 right. Where it has, where the word is a different word, like read and read. Well, it's like it's it's, it's like the the uh, the same word can have the opposite meaning. Kind of kind of like you know inflammable, but that's but that's mostly because of a historical you know people using the word that way. Sure, but, sure. Sure. Yeah. Dust, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's the opposite. It's just, you know, I don't know. I think it's fun. Right, right, right. And so that's like a homophone, right? Where two or more words have the same pronunciation, but have different meanings. And so like dust, dust is to dust something. It could be dust that sits, you know, on the edge of the dresser. It could be, um, dust like the verb where you're taking the stuff off of you know like it it so um but i hear what you're saying how that that's a different how that's a different um it means different things and so an another one maybe maybe like uh the word rose that could be a flower right or it could be the past tense of the word rise and so right yeah i guess i never thought about i never thought about dust as two different words i always kind of assumed it was the same but yeah, actually, if you interpret it that way, then yeah, they're just, they're two different words. <laughs> right. I know. It's strange. <laughs> strange. There's a lot of, there's a lot of those in, in English. It's really an interesting, interesting thing. Um, and so do we, do you, 
Do you have a poem you want to read today that you think has irony in it? Do you want me to jump into some other things that I have prepared? What are you wishing for today? Uh, why don't Why don't you go on with with something you've got prepared? I think we see most of the poems that I write. They the I think the reason I use a lot of irony is because when I start the poem, I don't know where it's going to go, and sure, so I kind of sure. I kind of it, it, so as it goes somewhere that I'm not expecting, it's very easy for irony to sort of uh, you know form itself out of there, out of right. out of it. So um, yeah, I don't have anything specific I want to read. I'd, I'd rather I'd rather hear what you have. Okay. Okay. Yeah, definitely. 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 Well, I'm going to pull on um, one of my favorite writers. Her name is Elizabeth Barrett Browning. She was a British poet who lived uh, from 1806 to 1861. She is known for her romantic poetry um, and her feminist writings, as well as her use of irony in her poems. Barrett Browning's life uh, was marked by illness and tragedy, but she was able to find solace in her writing, which allowed her to just, her to express the deepest of emotions and beliefs. And so one of her poems that I, I picked out to read today is called How Do I Love Thee? And this is this is pretty famous. It's a pretty famous poem. But when we look at it through the eye of is there irony used here instead of just looking at it as as a romantic poem itself? There are a lot of paradoxes and contradictions. The poem begins with the line, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways, which seems like a straightforward expression of love. However, when we get into the poem itself, the irony lies in the fact that Barrett Browning, the, the persona of the poem, the love cannot be counted or measured, even though the beginning line of the poem is, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. And so I thought that we could, I'll read it because it's not very long and it's lovely. And I really love uh, Elizabeth Barrett Browning anyway. So how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height. My soul can reach when feeling out of sight for the ends of being and ideal grace. I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need by sun and candlelight. I love thee freely as men strive for right. I love thee purely as they turn from praise. I love thee with the passion put to use in my own griefs and with my child's childhood's faith. I love thee with a love I seem to lose with my lost saints. I love thee with the breath, smiles, tears of all my life. And if God choose, I shall love thee better after death. And so when the poem itself starts out, it really looks like that she's going to list, the persona of the poem is going to list all of these different ways that the person who the persona is talking about is loved. But it really talks about um, things that are not measurable, like a list would be measurable. A list would be, I love you because you make me laugh. I love you because you spend time with me. I love you because you remember my birthday. I love you because, you know, all of these things. But then the things that are really the rich piece of the poem itself, freely and purely, are not measurable by a particular objective standard. And so 
I, I think that that's, that's a lovely use of irony um, that the readers get to pick up on when they're like, oh, it's, this is going to be a list of why somebody loves somebody, but it ends up being bigger than that, bigger than that. And so let's see, we have some new people here in the audience. I think I'll send around uh, a round of invites if you want to jump up on stage and talk about poetry or talk about a project that you're working on. And I see a very special audience member, KGKH Art, who is in the audience with us. She works with me at the Seven Love Stories. She is one of our beloved illustrators. And so I'll send that around really quick. I'll reset the room and then we can talk a little bit more about irony. So, and if Odd Writings, if you've got something you wanna jump in and say, please feel free. Yeah, the the uh, the last poem that you read uh, it reminds me of uh, Scarborough Fair. Uh, oh, yes. Yes, if, when, you know, when you read the 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 ancient ballad, you know the, the, the well the ancient version. It's it's like that. It's got it's got things that are impossible to happen, and and uh, uh, I can't. Of course, I'm, I can't think of the lyrics right off the bat. But it's uh, it you know it's it's something between the. Between the sea and the strand, I think there's something something there where where it's basically you know when Simon and Gar Garfunkel made that song out of that uh, the original ballad, uh, uh, they they use a lot of that with with the uh, when they're when they're they're adding their own lyrics and, and in the background you have the original uh, right. or actually yeah or, or maybe the other way around but in any case I didn't realize for years and years. Um, that all of the things mentioned at Scarborough Fair are impossible things. Uh, but, you know, yeah, it reminded me of that. Wow, wow. I didn't even make that connection. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. I pulled that up really quick, the Simon and Garfunkel one. The lyrics. And where you were talking about uh, between the salt water and the sea strands and polishes a gun, and then she'll be a true love of mine. And so that in and of itself, that's definite irony because the listeners don't think that there's going to be a mention <laughs> and polishes a gun blazing in scarlet battalions, general orders their soldiers to kill. That just is not, it is almost jarring because of the ironic um, pulling of the reader from one place to another. You are exactly well, right. You are exactly right. That's uh, that's a little actually that's a little bit different than what I was than I was talking about. There's there oh. the the yeah the thing about the polishing the gun and all that that's the stuff that Simon and Garfunkel added. But right. there's there's the original Scarborough Fair uh, ballad, and I don't know if it it was I'm assuming it was still called Scarborough Fair, but it's that's the part where it has between the salt sea and the and the strand. The thing is, a strand is like the it's like a literal right. It's like the exactly. it's like the shore. So there actually isn't anything between the salt sea and the and the in the strand because it's like that's the edge, and and uh, all of the all of the phrases about um, um, she once was a true love of mine uh, when 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 uh, they're when uh, well it's <laughs> I'm getting all jumbled here but but the yeah the lyrics are the lyrics are separate they're 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 two different uh, sets i want to I'll, I'll see if i can find the the original one and not the simon and garfunkel but just try try okay. to find the original one okay yeah that would be great that would be great because i think when you look at the simon and garfunkel one the ones that they put together they've got their pieces 
I don't know if they're in parentheses because I just closed it, but I think it, I think it's in, I think it's in parentheses, the things that they added versus what the original text was. Yeah, so, that's, that's right. That, that, that's what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hello, hello, everyone. I think I'll reset the room really quick. This is Roving with Rihanna, The Craft of Writing. I'm Rihanna Morgan. And I am, we meet together almost every week, unless I have a great big project going. And then we, then we don't. But last week, we took a week off um, so that we could spend some time minting the seven love stories literary NFT. And I feel so honored that one of our illustrators is here with us. That's so wonderful. And um, so for today here on the Craft of Writing, Roving with Rihanna, we're talking about irony and how irony is used in poetry and literature, songs, um, anything where there is a spoken word. It can also appear in art. It can appear in anything where a message is trying to be conveyed from one creator to another. And so there are generally three types of irony. There's verbal irony, dramatic irony, which is also called tragic irony. If it is used in a tragedy, a tragic story, and then there's situational irony. And so then just to sort of recap for the new listeners, we have uh, verbal irony. So maybe someone steps out and and the day is just a drench, a downpour, a misery of a dreary day. And the person goes, oh, what a beautiful day. I know attitude means everything, but that is a verbal irony statement um, when they're saying something that means the complete opposite. It's almost like they're being sarcastic. And then there's dramatic irony. This is if we pull on William Shakespeare's play, Romeo and Juliet, which is a tragedy. And in this instance, our dramatic irony is tragic irony. We all know the story about Romeo and Juliet, the star-crossed lovers. And the audience knows that Juliet is not really dead. But Romeo does not. So that's why it's tragic because the audience and the, and it's not like the audience can jump forward and say, wait, wait, she's not dead. Um, and so that's why that's why that's tra dramatic irony, tragic irony. In this instance, it's because the, the audience members know something that the other characters do not. And that happens a lot when we read suspenseful novels because we're like, oh, we know something that they do not. Something's going to happen. This is exciting. And so it really is a good way to, to create suspense. And then situational irony. Um, this, this example that I have is, is kind of a crummy example, but it shows really quickly the ironic situation. Um, so a firefighter's house burns down. That is situational irony. That's a huge, unfortunate situation, but it's ironic that the fire, the fireman's house burns down, right? Um, and then we talked a little bit about um, some different short stories by O. Henry, and we read a poem by Elizabeth Barrett Browning, and Odd Writings was going to look up the original Scarborough Fair, and maybe he's done that. Have you picked that up yet? Yeah, yeah, I, I put it in the uh, I put it in the uh, the notes. I don't I don't have the yeah. So so you can uh, you can go down there and look at it. Excellent, excellent. Traditional Scarborough Fair, awesome. Let me see if I can grab that really quick from the 
from the tweets that are going around. I see it. Okay. I can read a little bit of it. Yeah. That would be, yeah, that would be awesome if you would do that. I definitely can. I definitely can. Let's see. Where should I start? Where, where should I start? Here we go. Here we go. So it's kind of like a play. <laughs> so the Scarborough Fair lyrics, it starts with both people, two people talking. Are you going to Scarborough Fair? Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. Remember me to the one who lives there, for she once was a true love of mine. And then the man, tell her to make me a cambric shirt, parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, without any seam or needlework, and then she'll be a true love of mine. And so, so, the, so that right there, uh, yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt, but see no, that right please, there is yes, a, yes. That's that's an impossible thing, and a, a cambric shirt without the without the thing. Anyways, please continue. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. It's not very long. Maybe I'll just read the whole thing, and then we can pull pieces out to talk about it. Tell her to wash it in yonder dry well, parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, which never sprung water, nor rain ever fell, and then she'll be a true love of mine. Tell her to dry it on yonder thorn, parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, which never bore blossoms since Adam was born, and then she'll be a true love of mine. Ask her to do me this courtesy parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, and ask her and ask for a like favor from me, and then she'll be a true love of mine. Have you been to Scarborough Fair? Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. Remember me from one who lives there, for he once was a true love of mine. Ask him to find me an acre of land, parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, between the salt water and the sea sand, for then he'll be a true love of mine. Ask him to plow it with a lamb's horn, parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, and sow it all over with one peppercorn, for then he'll be a true love of mine. Ask him to reap it with a sickle of leather, parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, and gather it up with a rope made of heather, for then he'll be a true love of mine. When he has done and finished his work, parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, ask him to come for his cambric shirt, for then he'll be a true love of mine. If you say that you can't, then I shall reply, parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. Oh, let me know that at least you will try, or you'll never be a true love of mine. Love imposes impossible tasks, parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, but none more than any heart would ask. I must know you're a true love of mine. And so this really kind of pulls on, and I, I don't want to jump in and say what you might be thinking, but this really sort of pulls on um, that O. Henry thing also, don't you think, a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Yeah, yeah, really interesting, really interesting. I love the connections that you make to things. It's just so, it makes the the experience so rich and great. I just, I just, I love the, the it's, it's called in the whole academia world, it's called reader response, where you hear something and you connect it to something else. And that's the, that's like one of the most powerful um, 
connections that we make as people is this reminds me of this other thing. This reminds me of this other thing. And so it makes whatever it is that we're talking about so much more impactful. And then if we can utilize that same power when we're writing, you know how we're always talking about if we're if we're writing in a particular voice or we're talking about something in a particular voice that different people hear it different ways. Like when we're talking about symbol and really the only thing that's universal is the smile. And so I just think that that, I just think that that's so interesting. I think that's so interesting. One th yeah. One thing when on a, on a related note about the, uh, the symbolic, I think, it, I think you said it was symbolic irony. Um, situational. Sure. Situational. Yeah. The situational irony that made me think of karma. Because it's one of these things where you know, oh, you know, it's like or Dante's Inferno, where the people yes. that the the the, uh, the the suffering, the torture that they get corresponds right. with what they did in life. You know, so right. that's uh, that's that's interesting. I, that's I hadn't thought about it as ironic before, but so your 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 definition of irony, uh, your different definitions of irony here are gonna have uh, expanded me a little bit. So that's good. Yeah, I think I think because there's so many times we're like, oh, isn't that ironic? <laughs> and so we're just like, oh, rain on a wedding day. Isn't that ironic? Um, and so just to even pull from that song itself um, is really is really interesting. Those things that where you think one thing is going to happen, but then something else happens altogether. And that can be a very powerful, a very, a very powerful use. Um, and so let's see. Let's see. I actually don't want to run out of time today. I want to talk about um, a Web3 poet who I found um, on Object because that's one of my favorite shopping places these days. And um, his name is Fino, um, F-E-N-O, um, a.k.a. Gallery77. I will see if I can find him and and share him but I might do that after the fact because I would hate to mess up the Twitter feed right now so um I will I will find him after the fact and connect him to to all of this um he wrote he's on on Twitter um as at German collect one and the poem that put together um it's it's a poem that's in black and white, lots of white space in the background. It's just a simple like card. And the beginning of the poem shows us as the reader a certain picture. And then by the time that we get to the end of the poem, it's clear that what we were thinking might happen doesn't. And it's definitely ironic, definitely ironic. So I'll read it really quick. Um, it is called Downtown, a Poem. A nice walk in city. People laughing, girls are pretty. All the colors and sounds don't reach your soul, but cause wounds. And that is the poem. And so for me, when I read this, I thought, gosh, a nice walk in the city. People are laughing, girls are pretty, and all of it sounds like it's going to be a 
downtown walk through maybe a little bit of New York City, maybe a little bit of Chicago, maybe we're maybe it's fall, maybe it's lovely. So I'm making all of these connections in my mind, but then all the colors and sounds don't reach your soul but cause wounds. Ah, that is completely different than where I thought that the the persona of the poem was going to be. That's completely different than where I thought the, the poet was going to take me. So that in and of itself is ironic, where you think something's going to happen, but something else happens altogether. And so, um, Odd Writings, do you want to jump in and give a thought? Well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of the name now. Uh... Another poem that that it's it's much longer than the one that you just read, but it's um, what's the one? It's it's the one about the guy, and at the very the last line is and uh, so on so on went home and shot a bullet through his head. Ah, yeah. Um, what is that? It, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, somebody Cheever, something Cheever, something about uh, there's a guy that you know the whole poem is about oh. You know, he's 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 always poised. He has good poise and he's got everyone always looks up to him. And uh, um, and then, uh, you know, at the very end, you, you just he, he killed himself and it's not it's totally unexpected. Right. Um, anyways, it brought that to mind. Let me look. Let me look. Ah, it's Edwin Arlington Robinson, Richard Corey. Yeah, that's it. Richard Corey. Yeah. Yes. And so for those of you listening, I'm going to read the poem. It doesn't end well. We've clearly already talked about that. And so just more of a, a trigger warning. So maybe maybe um, be mindful that this poem does not end well. Um, Richard Corey by Edwin Arlington Robinson. Wherever Richard Corey went downtown, whenever Richard Corey went downtown, we people on the pavement looked at him. He was a fine gentleman from sole to crown, clean favored and imperially slim. And he was always quietly arrayed, and he was always human when he talked. But still he fluttered pulses when he said, good morning, and he glittered when he walked. And he was rich, yes, richer than a king, and admirably schooled in every grace. And fine, we thought that he was everything to make us wish that we were in his place. So on we worked and waited for the light and went without the meat and cursed the bread. And Richard Corey, one calm summer night, went home and put a bullet through his head. That is irony. Exactly. It's, exactly. Man, it's, very, it's very sudden, the, the suddenness at the very end. That's what like. You know, it almost echoes the what what happens in the poem. You right. know, it's it's a very quick ending. It's you know, right. and so very interesting. Right, right. And so then a little bit of background here on Edward Arlington Robinson. He was born December twenty second, eighteen sixty eight, in Maine. He was one of the most prolific American poets of the earliest twenty early twentieth century. He won the first Pulitzer Prize ever awarded to poetry. Um, he is remembered now for a few short poems anyway. And so I just think that that's really powerful, really powerful because we think as readers, right, that we're going along and we're going to hear about this nice rich man and maybe he's going to do something for the town or maybe he's going like, well, there's all sorts of connections that we could make or all sorts of 
You know, are we thinking of Carnegie? Are we thinking, who, who is this person? And then the end ooh, really is surprising, really is surprising and sort of heart-wrenching a little bit that um, even though, even though everyone in the poem saw Richard Corey, they didn't really see him. So he wasn't, he was observed, but he wasn't seen, if that makes sense. And then that pain that came with not being seen, that's horrible. It's horrible, horrible. So thank you very much, Odd Writings, for thinking of that. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I have a friend whose name is AK Musings. She is not a Web3 poet yet. I keep trying to coax her uh, into the into into the Web3 space, but she she always uh, is up for having me um, read a poem. And oddly enough, odd writings. So this is a little ironic also, is that this Richard Corey poem and the poem that we just read here downtown, a poem, and this one by AK Musings have a similar thread. And so this poem is not lovely either, but um, I think we'll, I think we'll, um, Enjoy it just the same because there is some irony in it as well. I am my victim, restless and wandering, choking with abandonment, forever breaking my own heart. I drift along the eerie path, staggering and bleeding from my self inflicted scars. I cry in despair, stumbling slowly towards you. Handil handing you the weapon of pain. I lie, dying, I lie down there on the cold, hard ground, ready to take a beating while I whisper to myself, I am my own victim. And so this poem, giving us a minute to absorb it a little bit, she gives us the, the AK musings or the persona of the poem gives us a clue at the beginning. I am my victim, but I didn't pick up on my first two or three times through my, I didn't pick up on my, I picked up on, oh no, this person is not in a good situation. This is really terrible and gets to the bottom and it says, I am my own victim whoa, that was not at all what I was expecting as a reader. I wasn't, I wasn't picking up the hints and then you go back through it and you read it again and you're like, oh, there are hints sprinkled through this, dusted through this <laughs> that um, give us clues that sometimes we are our own worst enemy. Sometimes we are our own worst critic. Sometimes we are our own worst we mistreat ourselves. Um, and so I really feel like that that was pulled out in this. And, but the irony of the situation was the fact that I wasn't as the reader, I wasn't picking up on, I am my own victim at the beginning. Odd writings. Do you have something and anybody else, if you want to jump in, please just raise your hand or ask to be connected in here. 
Yeah, I think the the self-referential quality is is what it, you, you can have all kinds of ironic things when you're talking about yourself, but you don't make it obvious at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's almost some that's almost something that always something that that uh, I, don't, I don't know what the name of the relation is. Uh, I guess I guess it's sort of the identity relation, I suppose. But for example, let's say you're talking to someone and uh and uh you know so you're talking and you're talking and you're talking and you're talking and then at the very end the reader realizes that you're talking to yourself right so at any time and it's and it's kind of a, a little thing at the end you kind of like flip a switch and it's like aha look look it was actually you know the the the, the murderer was the goldfish you know or, or they, they you <laughs> were assuming assuming the goldfish was a human you know that that kind of thing right uh, <laughs> So something about being self-referential, I think, really lends itself to irony, and uh, that's that. What that's what came to my mind with the with the last poem that you read there. Yeah, yeah, and so I just um, this study in irony. This you know, yesterday, last week, a little bit because I knew I wanted to do irony today. It's really been because um, you know I think of I think of the gift of the Magi. I think of Romeo and Juliet. I think of my favorite, um, one of my favorite American poets, James Whitcomb Riley. And I've already read an old sweetheart of mine, that poem that I just love so much where he's looking through a photo album and looking at pictures of his sweetheart. And then all of a sudden his wife is standing there and, and the reader is like, Oh no, he's going to get creamed. (laughs) But it really turns out that he greets the living presence of his old sweetheart, you know, that his wife is his old sweetheart. And, and so I think of those kinds of things, but I wasn't digging as deep um, with like we were with Richard Corey and we were with Scarborough fair and we were with, I am my own victim. It's just, or with the uh, downtown, a poem by our, our new friend uh, Fino. And so I just feel like, I feel like irony has such a deep, a deep use and can be so powerful. So I just, um, and I, oh my goodness, I see it's two o'clock. Heck, I need to give our secret phrase for today's um, question for today's Soulbound NFT. So today, as you've been a listener, um, anyone who has come today or come in the future, there is a Soulbound NFT that is related to this. You can go to Quest Chains and look up Roving with Rihanna, the craft of writing. Um, but today's secret phrase is dance in the rain, dance in the rain. I wanted to use something a little ironic um, myself. So um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you all so much for coming. I have absolutely loved today. And I've loved all the guests who've come to visit. Odd Writings, thank you so much. Finn from Terra Spaces, thank you so much. You all are amazing. And I've loved talking about writing with you. If you ever want me to read something that you have written, if you can't join the show, please feel free to send it to me in a DM and reference Roving with Rihanna and I'll read it. Um, And just tell me what you want me to focus on. Um, I would love, love, love to do that. And so today's secret phrase Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Roving with Briona, The Craft of Writing, Irony, recorded on Tuesday, March 14th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.
some support now. I'm running out the gate, rapping, step up to the plate. Represent the base when I'm rapping out my fate. Used to play ball, now I'm sitting on the bench like a mitt. Like to play dumb, so you can't tell me shit. Never gonna get me like a raisin, your fifties. And if we go drifting, you better whip it swiftly. I'm on empty, feeling peppy enough to do a fucking barrel roll. Running out of air like this planet isn't terraformed. Looking terrible, like you need a breath. Getting cancer from these wearables, feeling kind of blessed. Tracking everywhere we go, error bars low. Here we are, so I guess we put the terror in the art show. I'm not a leader, but I'll lead if you mislead her. All the creature comfort certified up in this teacher. Feeling like a tenure isn't even needed. Taking all that hunger, trying to feed it. Learning how to love life before we get to beat it. Divided by the past, can't fight the facts. Rhyming fast, lighting it round. In fact, a little backhand should straighten up these little rats. You better pay attention to the dude that's spitting facts. Everybody likes to rap about how they got no attachments. Straight up and in the back of some shitty shack. Learn how to eat from watching dogs fight over trash. If you think I'm crass, brash, or being a little ass, I'm feeling a little bashful about bringing the illest back. It's like the virus brought the vilest from the lowest to the highest, and we all got super quiet like the Mayans. And I don't even know where the fuck we go from here. Bunch of long hairs, growing beards, not showing fear. One step forward, taking two steps back, and pray to your mother we don't hit a crack. Spaces. <laughs>